You're listening to the Future Tech Podcast with Richard Jacobs. Future technologies such as artificial intelligence, stem cells, 3D printing, gene editing, Bitcoin, blockchain, the microbiome, quantum computing, virtual reality, and exploring space are much closer than you might think. In fact, many early versions of these technologies are in play right now, and the companies that are using these technologies are the focus of this podcast. My goal for you, the listener, is to learn from these podcasts. You may very well learn something that may change the course of your life for the better, steer you towards a new career, or give you insight into addressing a thorny medical problem. Remember, this podcast and its content is informational in nature only. No medical, tax, legal, financial, or psychological advice is being given. If you enjoyed the podcast, please listen, subscribe, like, and tell your friends about it. Thank you. Hello, this is Richard Jacobs with the Future Tech Podcast. My guest is Alex Vincart, and his name is actually a lot more complicated than that, so I'm going to let him say it in just a second. And uh, He's a CTO of a company called Enkidoo, E-N-K-I-D-O-O dot A-I. That's the website. So, Alex, how are you doing? I'm doing great, thank you. How are you? Good. So, uh, what's your last name now? You can say it far better than I ever could. If I can't get my mom, but... Uh... People who speak English as the first language usually have a hard time just pronouncing that. So mm. being hard to find. Okay, very good. So what what is uh, Enkidu? It's a strange name. What, is, what does the name mean, first of all, and then what does the company do? Oh, Enkidu is charged with meaning. It has uh, roots in Sumerian mythology with uh, the epic of Gilgamesh. There's also some kind of uh, hints from Japanese, uh, like uh, circular, circular ellipses or Enkido, I think. Uh, I did not come up with the name, but my co-founder, Polisa, did. And it's just a metaphor for how AI learns to get better by interactions with data. And, yeah, there's a lot of meaning to unpack from it. Uh, but, yeah, I can tell you a bit more about Enkidu. So what we do is that we want to give small and medium businesses and independent retailers access to the same cutting-edge technologies that giants like Walmart and Amazon use to optimize, optimize our supply chain. So we know that retailers have trouble buying and managing their inventory. In fact, inventory mm-hmm. turnover, the way that, you know, if you can move your inventory fast, and that's one of the best indicators that you're successful in retail. So we want to bring AI and automation and conversational analytics to give retailers better tools and better visibility to managing their inventory. All right. So what, I mean, what kind of inventory, um, you know, products on the shelf, like what, What's an example of a retailer that would really benefit from what you're doing, and what, what help do they need? What's the problems they have with inventory right now? Yeah, so um, there's uh, two types of inventories or two types of businesses. Like a lot of people who do e-com do a lot of uh, drop shipping, so it doesn't really matter for them to have physical inventory nearby because if somebody orders something online, they can just wait one or two days before it gets available, ship it, and like they don't have to worry with that. But when you do have physical inventory, so if you have a brick and mortar store on the street, then you're faced with like, uh, like you know, like having inventories in your store, your physical space is limited. There's a holding cost. Uh, you cannot have a lot of stuff in your um, like back office either. So just like back office management is, if you have a pain in that, that's where we can be helpful. Okay, so let's say I have a you know a shoe store. And, you know, right now I, I have to, store. yeah, let's say I have a shoe store right now. I have to stock, you know, a hundred different styles and I need to have like 10 sizes of each style. Otherwise, you know, my customer is going to get upset. So I got a lot of shoes there. So how would you help me manage the inventory? Like, what am I doing now typically? And then what would you do to make it better? 
Um, so a lot of people do their demand planning uh, by Excel. So they just have like their sales history and they do like, they have like six tables in front of their computers and they kind of like, you know, they're not mathematicians or statisticians. So they should just kind of go with their gut feeling. Like, yeah, I feel like this would be great. And I sell more sevens than I sell 13. So I'm not going to order that much, uh, like those higher sizes. So like, you'll just go with like informed past historical data, but not with all growth. So what we do is that we actually um, can connect to your point of sale system um, and look at all your past transactions and then we can find patterns using artificial intelligence. So that way we know, and we also can connect it to like external data such as weather or events. It might be less relevant for um, shoe stores, but it could be more relevant for uh, restaurants in the future. But yeah, so we just connect to your past transactions and using machine learning, we have models that aggregate data from a lot of retailers. Uh, because of an agreement we have with a local POS provider in Montreal called Lightspeed. Uh, and with that predictive power, we can let you know, well, this is how much you would sell in the next four weeks, for example. Oh, so you help them and, do predictive, predictive sales so they can see what the, yeah, so they're going to sell. Exactly. So we can say you're going to sell this much in the coming weeks. But more than that, we also are big on automation. So because we know that there's algorithms out there that, you know, as I mentioned, like Amazon, Walmart, and big, People like they pay consultants big bucks to uh, apply those those algorithms. So sometimes it's better to just like order in two weeks and then to order again one week later, as opposed to order everything all at once, just to save cost, save time, to minimize your holding costs. So like there's a lot of uh, things that people don't think about when it comes to managing your back office that we want to optimize so that your inventory turnover rate uh, is higher than usual. Yeah, well, I live in uh, Austin, Texas, and here they run out of stuff constantly. So they could use your inventory for sure because, you know, I tell them, why don't you just order more of something? And they're just like, oh, we don't want to, you know, have waste and have excess. So they go the other way, which is exactly. worse. Like they run out of stuff Yeah, so reducing stockouts, people that come to your store are happy and avoiding having all these stockovers that you have to, like, uh, put sales and you lose money and like it sits there in inventory taking space that like cool new stuff could pay like to be there instead. Uh, yeah, that's a huge pain and that's what we're trying to, uh, we want to bring AI and automation to people who don't necessarily have like the, the tech knowledge on how to apply that or neither like the margins to hire like a full time data scientist slash, uh, integrator. So by democratizing those technologies, we can reach a broader market that feel the same pains. Yeah. So what are what are some specific tools besides you know sales planning that would help uh, manage inventory? Any more details you can give? Uh, more tools. So um, well, I can give you a bit uh, an insight into like how we do it. Um, just like give you the an exposition of like the whole process because uh, what we want to do is to we are offering our product through a smart assistant and to be able to do that and the reason why we do that is because we want the user experience to be seamless we don't want people to build their own dashboards or that kind of stuff it's kind of complicated we want people to interact just with natural language with a smart assistant but all the underlying technology requires doing the data warehousing because people don't always use one system. They can use the point of sale system that connects to an accounting system and they have another one for econ and all that. So what we do is that we aggregate all of those systems together. We do the data warehousing, the integration, and we always sync it so that you're always up to date on your latest transactions, your latest products, your latest inventory levels. So you can ask any questions about like, you know, analytics, like uh, what were my top selling products in the past? Uh, but yeah, like, um, 
Well, you know what we get that. too is you could look at margins, the Pareto of margins, to see which products make you money versus lose it too. Exactly. Yeah. So all those like full um, queries that usually like you either have to have your Excel sheets in front of you to uh, do some calculation, uh, or ask somebody else who's more like math savvy in your business to do that, then you just have a smart assistant that you can talk to by SMS or on Slack or Messenger. And then you can just like type it on your phone and like get a chart back right away. So that's kind of like what we want to offer. Uh, just bring all those technologies together to bring something, uh, a seamless user experience so that people can know exactly what they have at the moment, but also do prediction. All right. Um, what, at what size do you need a system like yours? You know, how many, how many SKUs? I don't know. What, what, at what complexity range does it become? You know, useful to have this, and at what complexity range is it like critical? If you don't have it, you're you're in trouble. Right. Um, so uh, we're building it to be enterprise ready, but we know that the market we want to approach are SMBs. So uh, one way we approach that problem is that yes, if you don't have enough data, you don't have enough predictive power. But um, we do have this partnership with Lightspeed, uh, and they have uh, tens of thousands of customers right now in the retail space and the uh, restaurant space, and we are doing a project with them where we help them migrate data from their old system to the new ones. So we're just getting our hands on a lot of retail data from various retailers in various industries. So what that means is that we can just put data sets together, and yes, we do have to clean them, and that's like a you know a big pain that we need to go through. But what that means is that by having that for say like uh, 50 bike shops. Uh, and seeing the sales transaction for 50 bike shops. It doesn't matter if your store doesn't have that much data because we can uh, kind of like leverage the power of the community, if that makes sense. So we can let you know like where you stand like anonymously within uh, all those bike shops, but also based on all the similar products, like how yours would sell based on its features, based on its history or transaction patterns. Um, so yeah. Uh, if you don't have data, no, but if you have, like, we don't really have, like, a, a benchmark on how little data you need, but because we aggregate data from so many sources, uh, our models are quite accurate. Well, how are you able, like, so if someone uses your platform, are they required to share their customers' data? Is it anonymized if they do? You know, like, what if a company says, I don't want to share my data, but they, did, but they still want the benefit of your system, would you let them, or you know, how do you manage that? Um, well, so what we do is that we connect directly to the, um, the systems that they use. So if they use uh, Shopify, we would connect directly to the data and siphon it. And um, we do um, make the data uh, what's the word, private so that, yeah, we, we don't I want think to. You'd, uh, you'd anonymize it. You can still get purchase anonymize. behavior, but you could use like, a, you know, hash data that's, that's encrypted and still query it and get you know, certain things that you need without revealing the individual person's information. You know? Oh, exactly. So we don't really uh, care who bought the product. We care how much uh, was bought. Like, was it red? Was it uh, size 12? Was it a large dress? Like, we, we care about, like, the features of the product. We care about the description because uh, the words in the description of the product also hold some predictive power. We want to couple with external data. But, yeah, like, anonymized data, uh, we want to make sure that people are not 
uh, scared of sharing their, their data with us because the strength of prediction comes from aggregating all of that data together again. Well, I think in some ways people are rightfully scared because of the abuses of Google and Facebook, et cetera. But, you know, so there's that, unfortunately, that you have to overcome. But I think people don't understand the power of having all the data you're talking about. Like I could see there's a lot of implications. You know, if someone makes, let's say I'm a manufacturer and I make like 20 different products, I could probably work with you to say, hey, is my stuff selling and where is it selling and who's it selling to and, you know, what demographics and psychographics and I could change my product mix based on your data, you know, not, it's not just for like a store too. Exactly. And then like, even further than that, like something that's really hard in the industry is to uh, introduce a new product, right? So like when you have sales history in the past, you can kind of like, you know, like put your thumb out there, see which way the wind's blowing and like forecast a bit. But then like when you have nothing, uh, you're out of luck. But if you have all like the, the wisdom of the crowd, then like products and similar features sold in this in this way, then you can like introduce new. So yeah, the next question I want to ask you: um, What, how much data do you have, and from how many different entities, and is it at a critical mass where you're able to really start making great predictions, or you're not there yet? Uh, we're on the path to there actually. So because we're migrating all that data from with uh, Lightspeed from the old on-premise uh, system to the new one that's cloud-based. Uh, we have had a few like customers uh, in beta, just like test their infrastructure, make sure that it scales properly. But then like they anticipate about uh, like maybe five thousand customers that need their data mi- data migrated because they don't want to park with ten years worth of uh, transaction history. So uh, it's like the we're gonna have a lot of data very soon. So but we've run preliminary tests right now. And they're all they're promising, but we'll know very much more, we'll know more when we have our hands on the actual data. Okay. Um, what, what do you project is happening over the next six months or a year? You know, what are you able to do now and what do you think you're going to be able to do, you know, in the near term? Yeah. So for the next six months, we really want to uh, build that relationship with Lightspeed and go further with, uh, with them because we spent a lot of energy understanding our platform and we want to build our product to, uh, you know, like, their customers are great and they really fit in our mission. So we want to uh, have our product work for them. And then after that, we do plan to expand to other point of sale systems, uh, accounting softwares. But we really we want to get it right with them because we have a privileged partnership and it would be stupid not to exploit that. Um, and we are also part of a really cool initiative called Creative Destruction Lab. Uh, they're an accelerator for startups. Um, and we do get the privilege to be coached by experts that have world-class curriculum and credentials. So we get coached on, like, you know, like how to articulate our value prop better, how to go to market, how to price our product, like those things that are incoming. Like we get world-class leaders just like helping us figure things out because neither I nor Felisa uh, ever launched a startup before. This is our first time, mm. and it's great to be surrounded by people who have been there before and can give us advice that we didn't know like were possible. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. Well, very good. So, what's the best way for uh, interested parties to get in touch and to you know to talk about business and find out more? Uh, well, our website is uh, enkidu.ai. So, if you go on there, you'll get a nice summary of our uh, different products, of our vision. Uh, you can contact us from there, um, and yeah, that would be probably the easiest one. Uh, I'm on LinkedIn. So okay, that <laughs> that's great. All right. Well, Alex, I, I really appreciate it, and it sounds like you're going to be able to make some uh, 
amazing inroads and insights into helping businesses, you know, when you get more data here. So thank you. You're listening to the Future Tech Podcast with Richard Jacobs. Future technologies such as artificial intelligence, stem cells, 3D printing, gene editing, Bitcoin, blockchain, the microbiome, quantum computing, virtual reality, and exploring space are much closer than you might think. In fact, many early versions of these technologies are in play right now, and the companies that are using these technologies are the focus of this podcast. My goal for you, the listener, is to learn from these podcasts. You may very well learn something that may change the course of your life for the better, steer you towards a new career, or give you insight into addressing a thorny medical problem. Remember, this podcast and its content is informational in nature only. No medical, tax, legal, financial, or psychological advice is being given. If you enjoyed the podcast, please listen, subscribe, like, and tell your friends about it. Thank you. Thank you.